Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are so excited about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. A premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide. And it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They've got the best baits from the best brands. And you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to MonsterBass.com and use the code PANTHERS10 to get $10 off your first box. Sign up for Monster Bass now. to Franchise Players. I am your host, Desmond Johnson. The Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast can be found on the Believe Podcast Network. In season, you can find myself and my co-host, Tyrone Poole, who was the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers in the 1995 draft, uh, giving you some analysis, game recaps, previews, uh, and interviews with the top beat writers uh, following the Carolina Panthers uh, across the country. Before that, uh, what I wanted to do, we're going to do a short series on the NFC South and teams in the NFC South. Uh, and starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, we've got Brian Giffen on the line with us right now. He is uh, one of the hosts of the Believe in Falcons podcast on the same Believe podcast network. Brian, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Des. Doing great. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, let's dive right in because I'm curious uh, as we uh, as we embark on this uh mini series of the NFC South, how some of you guys uh, over on the Believe Podcast Network are feeling about your teams currently as we steamroll towards the NFL draft. Uh, for starters, uh, with the Falcons, Brian, what do you think has been the biggest offseason move to date for the Falcons in your mind? Well, because of the situation they were in financially, uh, I think that obviously the and, and the lack of on-field success, the obvious answer to that question is a revamping and and starting a new culture from the top with a new general manager of course in Terry Fontenot and then Arthur Smith coming over from the Titans and then they've of course filled out the staff but culturally it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because everybody knows that pays much attention to the numbers they were in a pretty difficult situation salary cap wise uh, they've done various restructures here in the offseason, getting ready for the league year that just started. But it's apparent at this point, because of where they were, at least as it stands, the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones era will continue here for the foreseeable. To me, there are a lot of question marks with the draft approaching because of your somewhat limited financial situation, but also there are needs all over the field that need to be filled. So it's going to be intriguing to see how the combo of Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith fill these out and how they attack 2021. Follow Brian on Twitter at GIF Radio, G-I-F-F Radio. Um, 
Brian Giffen, host of the Atlanta Falcons uh, Believe podcast uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. Brian, what do you think is the plan at quarterback? Are, are the Falcons content to go with Matt Ryan, who, if I'm not mistaken, is 35? Uh, or are they eyeing a quarterback with pick number four in the draft? If so, what quarterback between Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance are you thinking the Falcons are actually leaning towards with that number four pick? Well, you know, to begin with, uh, obviously, you mentioned Matt Ryan's age. I believe he's actually 36 as we sit here today. Mm. But, uh, you know, in an ideal world, how often again, even if you finish middle of the pack, which would be an improvement coming off of 4-12, and 12, when is the next time in an ideal scenario you would draft as high as fourth? And everybody kind of acknowledges if you throw Mac Jones into the mix, there are really four quarterbacks. And, and if you put Trey Lance in there as well, now maybe five quarterbacks atop this draft. But clearly Trevor Lawrence is probably the best of the bunch. And, you know, there's been some discussion or some debate about Zach Wilson and or Justin Fields. But it's really so you've got needs all over the place, but it appears based on what they've done financially, the plan is to keep Matt Ryan certainly through this year and likely beyond that because the restructure they just did with him and the restructures they've done with various others really puts them back into a precarious salary cap situation beyond this year. Now, the salary cap threshold will go up exponentially for 2022, but nobody knows what that's going to be. And you've still got a lot of things to address monetarily to be able to position yourself to draft a quarterback or to to uh, proceed with Matt Ryan. Drafting a quarterback seems like, like the logical thing to me, but if you look back, Des, over Matt Ryan's career, it somewhat mirrors that of Dan Marino in that you know, he puts up monstrous numbers. He's a great player through his career. Uh, he's, I think, certainly a Hall of Famer. But the parts around him have never, other than maybe 2016, really been completely in place to where it gets him over the hump and he wins a Super Bowl. A lot like Dan Marino. Hmm. It's all about having everything else around that quarterback to be able to succeed. And I'm not sure other than the one year where they kind of caught lightning in a bottle in 2016 that they've ever completely filled that out with the right pieces in all the other places. Kind of reminds me of the Panthers a little bit. Uh, I know both franchises that, that went through stretches where the Panthers still have yet to have back-to-back -back winning seasons. I know the Falcons went through that for a little while too. I, I think you guys actually got past that hump uh, not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, they did. Right? Yeah. They did in the Mike Smith era. Right. And, yeah. Had back-to-back -back winning seasons for the first time in franchise history. This is yeah. a, you know, history that goes back to 1966. So uh, <laughs> that's a ways. Yeah, I'm still waiting on ours uh, here in, uh, <laughs> in the Carolinas. Um, I'm kind of intrigued. Well, maybe intrigued is the wrong word. I'm a little curious about uh, Mac Jones from Alabama. There's always a quarterback every year that flies up the draft board as we get closer to the draft. And it seems like Mac Jones is that guy. Uh, he had a great uh, pro day. He had a great senior season considering who he was throwing to and who he was handing off to with that Alabama squad. Do you think that Jones is – everyone's saying that Jones is like the most ready to step in at the pro level. Uh, he completed 77% of his passes last year. But he was thrown to the Heisman Trophy winner and, you know, Jalen Waddle. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's not like right. he wasn't, wasn't throwing anyone out there. But he, from what I've seen film-wise, he seems very poised, has a good enough arm. 
I don't know if I want the Panthers taking him at eight, though. It's kind of like the Daniel Jones situation a couple years ago where I felt like the, the Giants reached to get him there. But then I always heard, hey, if that's your guy, you go get your guy. You don't worry about what position he's in. You think well, there's a guy like that for the Falcons at four? You know, that's an interesting question. I mean, the cautionary tale in the history of the league. I'll give you a great example. You look all the way back to Gino Toretta who won a Heisman Trophy at University of Miami. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones, and this doesn't diminish him as a player, and it certainly doesn't diminish what his prospects are as a pro player, but when you're in a system where all the pieces around you generally are superior players to about everybody on the opposing team's roster week in and week out, how do you really gauge how that translates to a league where talent, physical talent at least, across the board is fairly even from one team to the next throughout the National Football League. How it plays at the next level will be an interesting question to answer. I mean, back for a second to what I was talking about, the comparison between Matt Ryan and Dan Marino, and maybe even Dan Fouts in their careers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to have so many things in place. You've got to have stability on your offensive line. It really starts with the protection. But you also, what do do championship teams do well in the National Football League? A, they run the football as a complement to that quarterback that can throw it all over the yard. B, they play good defense. You've got to have stability in the front. You've got to have a beast of a running back and or a tandem of players at running back to shore up and give you the balance that you need to win. And you have to play good defense. So there's so many questions to be answered. Mentioning that offensive line, you know, Alex Mack signed with the San Francisco 49ers. So now you have a hole at center, which is Probably after left tackle, the most important position on the O-line because you're going to make the calls, you're going to make the blocking assignments, you're in such a leadership and communication role as a center. So yet another hole and another question that has to be answered for this team as they start to craft themselves and build themselves into what they hope is a balanced championship type of team. Out of those three quarterbacks that I had mentioned, though, is there one that not necessarily for the the Falcons, is there one that you like more than the others uh, between Fields, Jones and Lance? You know, honestly, the one that I think I've liked the best of what I've seen, and I've paid attention to these things, is Zach Wilson out of BYU. The other thing that that compounds matters as we sit right here with the draft approaching and now we're, you know, a couple of weeks or a week and a half into the new league year is this trade that Miami and San Francisco just made. There's been some buzz that San Francisco covets Mac Jones, but there also is – the question here, whether or not the top three quarterbacks are going to be gone before the Falcons draft as early as fourth. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot is up in the air with some of the movement that's been made pre-draft here. And, you know, it's funny, the era that we live in, Des, I mean, the 49ers just threw buckets of money at Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago, <laughs> and now it appears that they're ready to jump ship on him. So It's anybody's guess how all this is going to play out, but there's one certain thing here. The NFL, as is kind of the cliche, is a quarterback-driven league, and when you get administrative changes, philosophical changes, people at the top, you know, all of a sudden, the people that are running the franchise, the guy who is there may not be, quote-unquote, their guy, and I think that makes this as intriguing a draft approaching as we've had in a long, long time. 
on the line with Brian Giffen, host of the Believe in Falcons podcast, as we tour the NFC South on our way to the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, what are the biggest draft day needs for the Falcons this year? You know, outside of you know, yes, your quarterback is 36, but although Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and others are uh, making it where it's not so bad to be in your late 30s and be a quarterback in the NFL, what what other needs do you think are are more pressing for the Falcons right now that they can address days one and two in the NFL draft? Well, uh, obviously the center uh, position that I mentioned a moment ago with Alex Mack signing with San Francisco and leaving, that's kind of a big question mark. On the other hand, between Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry and a couple of others, you've got a relatively young core offensive line-wise. There's a lot of ability and potential there, but you know whether or not that plays and they form a cohesive unit that can perform the way that they need it to perform remains to be seen. They also have had this perpetual year-in and year-out need for an edge rusher. They failed miserably twice in the Dimitrov era between Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. It wasn't as much that those two guys weren't physically capable of being good edge rushers, but neither ended up having the character and or you know the commitment as teammates it may not have been the right chemistry there's a lot of variables that play into this they of course have Dante Fowler who they signed as a free agent last year but edge rushers are obviously a hot commodity around the league and pressuring quarterbacks has been a problem more often year in and year out for this franchise than not and then the other glaring one is back to that balance thing again, they, the Todd Gurley experiment last year. You know, he was effective in terms of scoring touchdowns, red zone stuff, short yardage situations, and he did have flashes. But I'm not so sure that was as much that Todd Gurley wasn't what he used to be or as much as it was that Dirk Cutter perhaps didn't run an offense that was conducive to emphasizing his strength. So I kind of see Najee Harris from Alabama as a guy that they would covet and would mm. love to have as a running back because maybe that creates some of that balance where you can run the football. But that's another thing that they've not really consistently done other than the 2016 year when Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman kind of tandemed and made themselves into an effective running game to complement Ryan. Yeah, I would say, especially for Ryan, you know, being up there at 36, you know, having a, a young running back on a rookie deal high-end guy like Najee Harris would be great for the Falcons offense, to be honest. Um, and you guys would just keep uh, bringing in Alabama guys. <laughs> you know, you can't go wrong with that there. Absolutely. Um, what are your biggest takeaways from new head coach Arthur Smith? Because you guys had a coaching change. Uh, this is going to be year one for him, new regime. What are some of the things that you're seeing from, uh, you know, Zoom conferences, quotes to the media, how he seems to be handling things? What, what, are, what are your initial takes of uh, Smith and the type of coach he's going to be? Well, it's going to be interesting to see because any coach is going to be measured and any coach is going to succeed or fail by the players that he has. And in the current situation around the league where general managers make so many, so many of the decisions where it relates to personnel, being on the same page, those two guys, the GM and the coach, is such a critical component. But everything I've seen so far, it, it certainly appears that I love the the smash mouth, basic, get down, be able to run the football. And look what he did with Ryan Tannehill. You know, you create that balance. You create a great running game. You establish yourself a good, solid front that can protect what quarterback you have. And Tannehill has been a guy who's really thrived, and most of us thought he was ready for the scrap 
scrap heap when he left Miami and wound up with Tennessee, got himself a nice contract out mm-hmm. of the deal too. So going to be interesting to see, obviously the coaches are again, defined by the players and how the players perform. And thus far though, they're saying the right things. I love the idea. Uh, look at what they did. And of course there's not so many Derek Henry's in the world, but look what they did in Tennessee with Arthur's offense. And I think that emphasizes to a degree, maybe the need to go get a guy along the lines of a Najee Harris that is a power back, but also one that, you know, has that breakaway capability to really carry the load in an offense. Another thing about this offense is, and it it really exacerbates the need to add that running component, the effective running component, is Matt Ryan's lack of mobility. He's not a guy who is going to do a lot of zone read stuff and run around the pocket. Sure, he can scramble a little bit here and there. But he's primarily a pocket guy, and certainly at this stage of his career, that would be the case. So creating balance, I think, is going to be the big, big deal for this franchise. Uh, looking around the uh, the rest of the NFC South, of course, the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers reside in our neighborhood, uh, led by 106-year-old Tom Brady, a quarterback <laughs> who didn't seem to be slowing down a bit. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Bucs returning all of their starters from the Super Bowl-winning team? Uh, would you bet on the Bucs to repeat, or would you take the field? I certainly would Would mark that down as a distinct possibility. I mean, the Bucks' success this last year, yes, they added a number of components to their team, but you know the old adage that it's a quarterback league, I don't think could be any more true and certainly there couldn't be any better example than what just happened in tampa bay i'm of the belief des that you know the talent across the league the physical talent is is fairly equivalent from one franchise to the next after that it's what's in the heart what's between the ears who leads and how well the coach's message resonates buy-in is such a big intangible where it comes to professional football and you know, the era that we're in with all the money that's tossed around and all the money these guys are making. And I don't really believe there are big talent disparities from one team to the next. And the great example of that is that, yes, they added more than just Tom Brady, but look at the difference in the Bucks from one year to the next with the right pieces in place and the right guy calling signals under center. The uh, you know, it's funny with the Bucks too because the Bucks uh, to me they weren't even the best team in our division last year. I thought it was right. the Saints, you know, right. and they just kind of got hot at the end of the year, um, and then just really turned it on during the playoffs. They kind of figured out the running game. Uh, people kind of forget Leonard Fournette was like the fourth overall selection in the NFL yeah. draft. Like was it like three years ago? Like I mean, yeah. I, I didn't understand when Jacksonville cut him, and he kind of got a second. Uh, second life in Tampa and he was the final piece to sign that was a starter that's coming back. So basically Tom Brady has a young bruising running back behind him in Fournette. He's got one of the better wide receiver cores in the league with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and those boys. Uh, He's got tight ends. He's got uh, offensive line. He's got one of the top defenses in the league. There's really no way to suggest that Tom Brady won't be in the thick of things as he has been for the past 20 years, <laughs> you know, like with this Tampa team. Overall, though, looking at the NFL, who has impressed you the most this offseason? You mentioned Miami earlier in the segment with the, the movement they did uh, last week with the 49ers and then trading back up to get to the uh, the Eagles' number six spot. Miami is sitting on a, a cash cow of picks over the next like three or four years, uh, multiple first-round selections for multiple teams. 
And all of it seems like it came from that Laramie Tunsil deal that they did with Houston uh, a year or so ago. And they kind of just spawned it out to these other things. Is there another team besides Miami that's really impressed you this offseason with what they've been doing? Well, I think you could make a case for Arizona with the additions that they've made in the, in the offseason. Of course, the biggest name is J.J. Watt. But, you know, the cautionary tale with free agents, there's been far more invested in over the years that have not panned out the way people what happened i got a dialogue that said my phone was overheating oh wow <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that before but yeah, okay I, that I, guess yeah, I don't know where you lost me there i was just uh just make finishing the point that arizona probably with some of the bold moves that they've made uh would be one that stands out for me um yeah and then uh finally um of course, I need to mention the biggest story that's been going on in the NFL has been the case with Deshaun Watson. Uh, as of this taping, uh, now 19 different uh, wow. women have come forward accusing him of uh, sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment uh, in these massage situations or whatever that's going on. Uh, he has not been proven guilty or innocent for that matter. Uh, things are still going. These are all civil cases. But how much has this current situation with Deshaun Watson hurt his overall value? And I don't mean not just money-wise, but just, like, how he had been perceived in the league. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson had been, I know for me and many others, he had been perceived as kind of a, uh, not a goody-goody, but, you know what I mean? Like, Sorry, I was apparently overheating again. Yeah. I've never seen anything <laughs> like never that. Seen. That's insanity, man. It's your, it's your takes, man. Your takes are too hot. Your phone's yeah, I guess so. It's so. Just getting them too hot. This was my yeah. last question, actually, so let me see okay. if I can get it later. Um what are your so what are your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson situation um as it's currently constructed right now? How much do you think it's hurt his value and do you think he'll even play this year? You know, I don't I, there's no way it couldn't have hurt his value. I think it's sad Des, that we live in an age where, you know, the court of public opinion in the social media era, you're tried and convicted in the court of public opinion before anything's ever, you know, shaken out le- legally, but it, it it's not doesn't bode well at all and in his current situation where he wants out anyway what a mess this has become my yeah. gosh yeah it's pretty sad that uh you know my panthers were attached to the texans in terms of watson and wanting to bring them on and everything uh and then all this happens and it's kind of gone away uh gotta think i know brian's having some issues uh, with his phone this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and let him go. We're up against a break anyway. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Franchise Players on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, tobaccoroadsportsradio.com. Support for our podcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source of high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. I don't know about you, but 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has been pretty stressful. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, and Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of just choosing one, visit JustLive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one and get one free. Buy one, get one free the new gummies line with code SUPPORT at JustLive.com. That's buy one, get one free at JustLive.com. Use code SUPPORT. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.